Acts 14. It says, Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycaonian, The gods have come come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Would you please join me as we open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come uh, thankful and grateful uh, that we have your word, Lord God. Uh, We're we're so blessed to have um, the good news of Jesus Christ uh, laid out for us. And Lord, as we walk through this text too, we ask that you would um, encourage us and um, Lord challenge us too. And uh, we do pray, Lord God, that uh, you uh, 
Holy Spirit would, would show us um, the goodness of Jesus, that you would show us how to, how to faithfully live for you. And Lord, I continue to ask too that you would help me to uh, faithfully serve you and um, to shine for you. So um, Lord, please use my words to bring glory and honor to yourself and to lift up and to exalt Jesus, our Savior and Lord. We pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> One of my favorite um, modern-day theologians continues to be uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul. Um, I, I continue to appreciate his, his teaching, his, his writings, and um, when, when I think of Dr. R.C. Sproul, a few things come to mind. Uh, first is Dr. Sproul's just absolute love and devotion for Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Uh, the second would be his uh, uh, devotion and faithfulness to teaching the, the, uh, the Reformed truths and the Reformation truths of, of our Christian faith, particularly those of, of Martin Luther and John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli, um, how he, he, he unpacks the, the historicity of, of the gospel and, and, and where we've come today as a church. The third thing that I think of when I think of Dr. R.C. Sproul is the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Dr. Sproul w was born in Pittsburgh and uh, uh, grew up in Pittsburgh and grew up uh, a, a great fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he uh, talked often of the glory days of the 70s when the Pittsburgh Steelers were, were winning often and winning championships. Uh, but he also talks about the drought years of the 40s and the 50s when wins were hard to come by, when Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steeler fans were discouraged, <laughs> distraught, I guess you could say even, which we understand, right? As Canucks fans, we understand. <laughs> oh, I understand what that means. In Pittsburgh, uh, Dr. Sproul uh, has said that, that during the 40s and 50s in these drought years, there, there was a phrase that other Steelers fans would say to each other. They would say, SOS, SOS. Now, it wasn't a cry for help, but rather it was an acronym. Same old Steelers, right? To watch them day in and day out play the way that they played. In, in Dr. Sproul's commentary on, on Acts 14, uh, he, he talks about this passage and says that we could utter an SOS today as well as we open this text. We wouldn't say same old Steelers, but we would say same old story, right? And as we've, we've been walking through this book of, of Acts uh, together for some time now, uh, we come to the text today in chapter 14 where we see, we see the same, same old story happening. We see uh, uh, many Jews and Gentiles come to, to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We see the apostles uh, faithfully proclaiming, faithfully and boldly preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see divisions, we see hostilities uh, arise. And we even see on many occasions where, where the apostles are, are, are blessed to escape with their lives in the midst of the, the divisions, the hostility, and the opposition that they're facing. Uh, as we walk through this text today and we're, we're reminded uh, of these, these truths, the same old story, so to speak, uh, I pray that as we walk through this text, we would be encouraged to to stay, stay faithful in living for Jesus in the midst of opposition. That we would stay faithful 
in living for Jesus in the midst of, of difficulty and hardship and persecution. Um, it's, it's by God's providence, again, that this text is even on this day of the International Day of Prayer, isn't it? This day where we get to uh, lift up and pray for specifically our brothers and sisters across the globe who are uh, living uh, in persecution and struggle for living for Christ. And so I pray that we'd be encouraged to remain faithful. Um, as we walk through this text, we'll see kind of two divisions. Uh, verses 1 through, through 20 uh, show us that when we're following Christ and living for Christ, we will face opposition. It's not a, it's not a maybe or an if, but it's that we will. Uh, and then verses 21 through 28 uh, point us to, to uh, the encourage, point to encourage us to remain faithful, to, to keep on going, to remain steadfast. Uh, and if we remember our, our uh, sermon uh, series, our, our theme for our sermon series is our... Oh, there's a buck out there. Sorry. <laughs> <It's a> squirrel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but our sermon series uh, theme, if we remember uh, the hunter and me coming out, I guess. I don't know. Uh, our, our theme for this sermon series is our, our mission statement for our church, if we remember that, to, to passionately proclaim the glory of God in Christ for the joy of all people. To passionately proclaim the glory of God in Christ for the joy of all people. And I pray that uh, as we walk through our text, we'd be encouraged to continuously Proclaim the glory of God in Christ for the joy of all people, even as we face opposition, even as we face difficulty and hostility in living for Christ. Um, if we, we look at our text uh, right away in verse 1, we see uh, that Paul and Barnabas are, are who we're, we're traveling with today. Uh, Paul and Barnabas are the apostles that we're with, and they're, in our text, they're in Iconium. Uh, we, we saw last week that they were in Antioch in Pisidia, and today they're in Iconium, which is about 80 to 90 miles uh, away from each other, about 145-ish kilometers from each other. And they're in Iconium. And Iconium uh, was uh, an agricultural uh, center for the region. They were known for their uh, lush harvests. Uh, They were also known for their wool, their wool industry. And and they're in Iconium today, and we see that right away they go to the synagogue, which we've, we've seen before, haven't we? in their uh, missionary journey. We even saw this last week, that they, they were in the synagogue preaching the gospel. And in particular, when they're in the synagogue, they're preaching the gospel to, to Jews and also to uh, devout, uh, devout, excuse me, devout Gentiles. Uh, if we remember uh, Cornelius, back in Acts chapter 10, was one such devout Gentile. There were devout Gentiles who weren't yet converted in Jesus, but were faithful to the Jewish faith as best as they could be. And so they, they come to the, the synagogue to preach. And as we saw last week, the, the, the message in the synagogue is pointing to the promises of God. And so it's, it's scholars agree that this message that they would have preached here in Iconium would have been similar. And that they're pointing, pointing uh, uh, people who understood the, the Old Testament, pointing back to God's promise to, to send a redeemer, to send a messiah, to, to forgive us and to wash our sin away and to give us right standing with God. And so while Paul and Barnabas are there preaching what's, what's likely this, this same kind of message in the synagogue, we see that many, many Jews and Greeks come to saving faith in Jesus. 
They come to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, who, who forgives them of their sin and who washes their sin away. And many, many come to faith, and in the midst of many coming to faith, there's opposition that rises up. There's, there's in the midst of people submitting and surrendering to Jesus, there's, there's difficulty and hostility. And we see here that there are many uh, unbelieving or disobedient Jews who are there stirring up the Gentiles. And as we see in our text, we see that they're, they're poisoning their minds against the brothers. Poisoning their minds. Now the, the Greek also carries forth with this, this sense that they're saying something bad so as to change people's minds about someone. So it's, it's, it's trying to change people's minds by speaking badly about someone. And so they're, they're facing this opposition. And Paul and Barnabas stay here in Iconium at this point. So far they stay here. And they stay here, we even see uh, in verse 3, that they stayed there because of the opposition. They stayed there because of the opposition to help strengthen uh, the believers there, as many who have, have come to saving faith. And while they're there strengthening the believers, they're also performing many, many signs and many wonders, we see. Uh, the, these acts that would have, have pointed to them as uh, ones who are true uh, uh, messengers of God, bearing the true message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the opposition continues to grow here in Iconium where they're at. And division continues to grow. And we see that some people are with the Jews and some people are with the apostles. We see in verse 4. Now verse, verses uh, 4 and 14 of our text are, are the only passages that we see um, uh, Paul and Barnabas referred to as apostles. Uh, and, and the reason being for that, scholars talk about how uh, Peter would have been, his, his apostolic authority uh, would have been um, just assumed by many believers. But Paul's apostolic authority was harder for many to swallow, which is hard for us to understand in a sense in 2019 because we have so many writings by the Apostle Paul, don't we? That God worked in him and inspired him to, to write down uh, much in the New Testament. But, but Paul's apostolic authority was not accepted right away because Paul was not saved during the resurrection. And so it would have been harder, in a sense, for early Christians to just accept his apostolic authority. But we see here that, that uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, this book, uh, refers to Paul and Barnabas as, as apostles, and they're apostles uh, performing many signs uh, and, and wonders. And they're here facing this division and, and, and opposition. And those who are opposed to, to Paul and Barnabas and to the message of Jesus Christ um, hatch a plan to stone, to stone them. Now, stoning was a, a common means of, of Jewish execution. And with the growing opposition, uh, Paul and Barnabas leave uh, Iconium. And we see in our text uh, the, in verse 6, that they then leave to go to Lystra and Derby, because they're seeking to be faithful in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. They go to another place. And so they come to Lystra. Uh, we see in verse uh, 7 and verse 8. They go to Lystra, which is a small uh, Roman colony. It was about uh, 20 miles 
from Iconium. Um, and there are likely few Jews there, scholars agree, because there was no mention of uh, Paul and Barnabas going to a synagogue. Uh, and one, one no- cool note about Lystra is that Lystra is where um, Timothy came from, uh, Paul's protege. Uh, and it, we'll see in chapter 16 that in Paul's second missionary journey, he comes to Lystra and recruits Timothy to join him on his missionary journey. And uh, Lystra, this, this small Roman community, was uh, primarily Greek, but we do know that Timothy's mother and grandmother were, were faithful Jews. And uh, the speculation, which is very possible, is that Timothy and his mother and grandmother possibly came to saving faith on this particular trip that Paul was on when they were bringing the good news uh, to this region. And so while Paul's uh, in Lystra, we see that he heals a crippled man, doesn't he? We see that he, he heals a crippled man, which, which hearkens us to remember the, just the power of Jesus Christ, right, in his healing. Uh, makes us think back, too, to Acts 3, when Peter uh, heals the lame man. Uh, and, and Paul is here showing that, or God is here using Paul to show that he's a true apostle. Uh, again, performing signs and wonders to point to Jesus Christ. And so Paul's speaking, and this, this crippled man is there, and he's, he's listening to Paul speak. And while Paul's speaking, he, he, he looks at this man and sees his faith. And Paul commands the man to stand up. And he doesn't just stand up, does he? He, he springs up, as we see in our text. He tells him to stand up and he springs up. And I don't know about you, but when I, even as a 36-year-old, sit in one position for a long time, I don't spring up, I notice already. Am I alone in that? (laughs) Even this morning, my alarm went off with uh, an extra hour of sleep. I didn't just jump out of bed. Now imagine this crippled man who's never, never, ever walked. Springs up, the power of God healing him. There's no effort here. He, he, He simply leaps up. And upon seeing this, everyone, everyone was amazed. Everyone was, was so amazed that they, they called Paul and Barnabas Zeus and Hermes. Now, now Zeus, if we, remember, uh, <clears throat> if we remember, he was the king of the Greek gods. Remember, uh, Greeks had many, many gods that they worshipped, and so Zeus would have been the, the king of the gods. Uh, and Hermes was considered the messenger god, which is why they called Paul Hermes, because he was the one who, who spoke uh, most, most often, most, most frequently. And they call him uh, Zeus and, and Hermes. And, and a couple notes that um, uh, a scholar, Daryl Bach, points out to, to notice is that we see in our text that Paul, Paul stares at this man, right? And also we read that Paul spoke to this man in a loud voice. Now both of these were attributes that people in the Greco-Roman world gave to the gods, that they would stare and that they would speak in a loud voice. And also, the fact that Paul's a stranger. A common, common lore was that uh, when, when Greek gods would come down to the earth, that uh, they would come just as ordinary people, as strangers that, that they had never met before. And in fact, there was a legend um, that uh, Zeus and Hermes themselves came, came down to this region and were looking for a, a place to stay. And, and they walked around this region and knocked on the doors of, of a thousand homes 
asking for, for lodging, asking for a place where they could sleep and spend the night. And they knocked on a thousand doors and received a thousand no's until ultimately they, they knocked on the door of a, of a humble you know, straw reed home, little cottage of an elderly couple. And they welcomed Zeus and Hermes in and prepared a banquet for them. And, and the, the legend says that uh, Zeus and Hermes put their, their temple there and made this elderly couple priest and priestess. And they sent uh, a, a flood to destroy the thousand homes of those who rejected them. And so this would have been in the minds of the hearers here as, as Paul looks at this man and tells him to stand up and they see this, this crippled man spring up. This would have been in their minds. And, and so they call Paul and Barnabas, Zeus and Hermes, and they seek to, to worship them as we see in our text as well. They seek to worship them Maybe they'll gain some reward like this old couple did. And we even see in our text too that the, the priest comes to, to bring oxen and garlands. Now, there's a word we don't use too much, do we? Wreaths of flowers. To bring oxen and wreaths of flowers to, to worship Paul and, and Barnabas. Uh, but we see in our text too that Paul and Barnabas want nothing to do with that, do they? They want nothing to do with being worshipped. Um, even we see that uh, they, they tore their clothes because they were upset at, at such an accusation that they were, were gods. And instead we see Paul speaking the truth that they're, just, they're simply men. They're simply men bringing the message of, of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the one who, who saves. Jesus is the one who, who, who gives life. And Paul's pointing them to, uh, to, or Paul's seeking to be faithful to the message of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul's sermon here that he gives to, to the folks here in, in Lystra is different than his sermon in the synagogue in chapter 13. That's probably our, one of our moments in the scripture we see gospel contextualization take place, right? Um, we see that Paul doesn't come to these, these pagans who are, are Greco-Roman and, and worshiping these Greek gods. He doesn't come to them and say, the promised Messiah is here, does he? It would have made no sense to these hearers. And so instead, Paul uh, uh, points them to God who's creator God. And he points to the fact that everything in the world, the, the heaven, the, the earth, and the sea was created by God. Everything in them is created by God. And I think it's interesting that, that Paul goes here, um, just knowing that there, there are many apologists, even today, that that point to uh, cosmology as a starting point to, to launch into the gospel. That, that the earth, the universe, none of this stuff was created by chance. That there is a sovereign creator who intricately created every detail of everything. And we, we see Paul doing that here uh, with these, these pagan worshipers. It says Paul writes of in God's general revelation in Romans that we're without excuse because we can see God in his, his created world. And so Paul points them to creator God, but then also points them to God who's provider. He's the one who provides the rain and, and the harvest and fruits and, and food. Paul's seeking to faithfully point people to Jesus Christ. And it's a good reminder for us too that we would be faithful in speaking the good news 
in ways that people might understand too. Amen? That we would, we would faithfully maybe speak in ways that people might understand better. And brothers and sisters, may we tell people about Jesus. May we, may we talk to people. May we get to know them. May we understand where they're coming from and, and their background a bit. I mean, I, even, I had a sweet moment with Jordan just even a couple years ago. We were in Nanaimo and had the opportunity to, um, to talk to a young woman who was uh, on the corner um, asking for money. And uh, my wise, amazing wife, just in, in our talking, latched on to a couple phrases that she said and, and hung on to that and related the gospel to those particular points to her. Now, may, may we do that. Amen. May we, may we pay attention. Uh, may I pay attention better? <laughs> may, we, may we pay attention to people around us to understand avenues that we might be able to, to speak the good news of Jesus Christ into their lives. May, may we look for opportunities to be faithful, just as, as Paul was here in Lystra. And so, so Paul here in his, his sermon, his message to these, to these folks urges them to, to turn from worshiping idols to, to worship the true God instead. Now, this is a message you would think the Jews would embrace, wouldn't you? But they don't, do they? We continue on, we see in verse 19 that instead, instead of embracing this message to, to worship the one true God, many Jews come to Lystra from uh, Antioch and from Iconium. So Jews come from, from these places. They travel here. It's, I don't know about you, but you get the sense that they're hunting them down, don't you? That they're just following them. Um, the, made me think about it. In high school, I remember reading the short story, The Most Dangerous Game, which uh, is fiction, and it talks about a hunter who's bored with hunting everything that he's now turned his attention to hunting people uh, and, and trying to find out ways to, to hunt people. I mean, just, just get that sense of the viciousness of the Jews here, don't you? That they're, they're hunting down Paul uh, and Barnabas. And we see in our text that they come together to stone them in verse 19. Uh, and they stone him. And, and we've got to remember, this is a brutal moment uh, for Paul. I mean, this is a moment that, that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians uh, 11 is, uh, on his, his resume of his sufferings that he's gone through. Uh, and, and it's a brutal moment for Paul. And we read that he just got up the next day, but it's not normal for someone to get up. And remember, he, he stood in front of an angry mob who, who launched large rocks at him. Um, he, he would have been pelted all over his body, and these large rocks would have, would have torn the flesh from his body and, and obviously knocked him unconscious to the ground, and even to the point where uh, they thought he was dead and dragged him out of the city for his dead corpse to be uh, scavenged upon. But Paul wasn't dead, was he? The next day he got up with Barnabas and went to Derby. Uh, and Derby uh, was about 60 miles from Lystra. Now all these places, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, they're in modern day Turkey. And so he gets up the next day and travels about 60 miles to go to Derby. His, his recovery is obviously a, a miraculous work of God. Amen? But it's also a picture of, of Paul's faithfulness, steadfastness, and perseverance. That he is, he's faithfully wanting to, to live for Christ 
and to shine for Jesus Christ. And in Derby, um, Paul and Barnabas, they continue to preach the gospel of Jesus, and we see in our text that, that much fruit uh, comes of this. There, there are many disciples were made there. Um, and God works in saving many people as Paul and Barnabas are, are faithful uh, to shining for him and to speaking the good news of Christ. And then we, we see that they return to Lystra, uh, to Iconium and Antioch, in the, the Antioch and Pisidia that they were at in chapter 13. What's interesting is they were just at these places, weren't they? And they just received opposition and hostility in these places. But they go back. They go back there. And, and verses 20 through 21 show a shift a little bit in, in the work of Paul and Barnabas. Uh, verses 1 through 20, uh, Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel to do people who, who don't yet know the truth of Jesus Christ. That, that Jesus Christ has come to, to save sinners, to give life. And that when we surrender to him, we, we know forgiveness of sin. We know eternity with God. We know right relationship with God, all which is, which is true for us. Amen? But Paul and Barnabas, their message shifts a little bit in verses 20 through 21 from preaching the message of Jesus to new people to now strengthening the believers, to now encouraging the believers and encouraging them to remain faithful. And, and this is what God is teaching us this morning too, isn't it? God's, God's encouraging us as we're in this text to remain faithful, to be encouraged, to know that, that hard times and that persecutions are, are part of our journey. They're part of our walk with the Lord. See, far too often our, our gospel message is that when we turn to Jesus, everything's going to be okay, isn't it? Far too often our, our gospel message is that when we surrender to Christ, we'll, we'll have a job. We'll have food on the table. Um, you're not going to be sick. Brothers and sisters, that's not true, is it? That's not the true message of the gospel. The, the true message of the gospel is that when we surrender to Christ, live for Christ, some things are going to be more difficult, aren't they? Hard times and persecution and trouble are, are going to come upon us. Opposition. But we're to stay faithful, brothers and sisters. We're to stay faithful to Jesus who faithfully went to the cross. Amen? That Jesus faithfully went and he endured the mocking. He endured the beating. He endured being nailed to a tree. He endured the wrath of God. For the joy set before him, Jesus remained faithful. Brothers and sisters, may we remain faithful to him too. Amen? Amen. We read of Jesus and he, he talks about the, the truth that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart for I have overcome the world. We will have trouble simply because we're, we're following Jesus Christ. If the world hated him, why would it be any different for us? We'll face opposition when we follow God in this sinful world. And this message is appropriate for us that we stay encouraged to, to continue in the faith to walk with Jesus and to live for Jesus. We'll face difficulties before the consummation of the kingdom of God. And we see Paul and Barnabas, uh, verse 23. Um, they encourage the believers and we see that they appoint elders, that they appoint 
uh, men to lead the, the churches uh, in the cities that they're in. Um, faithful, godly, mature men in line with what Paul would write in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And then they continue to pass through towns that they minister, ministered to earlier. Um, and ultimately, we see that they come to Antioch in Syria at the end of our text. And ultimately, they, they come home to their commissioning church. They come home to uh, the church that, that sent them out. Now, could you imagine the reunion that would be? To, to gather together with Paul and Barnabas and hear them tell all that God has done, all that God has done in, in saving, you see here, specifically they're talking about the Greeks, but the work that God has done in bringing many people to salvation. Could you imagine sitting there, listening, feeling the excitement of being a part of, of what God is doing? One of the, I, I love, as a family, we read, we read aloud almost every night. And uh, one of the rotations we always have in there is a, a missionary book. And I think Jordan and I love them just as much, if not more, than the kids. Because it's just so cool to hear the work that God has done. Amen? And knowing that we have the same God, the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have a God who works in great and miraculous ways to save people and bring people to life in him. It's, it's a fun picture to think of the reunion that they had together here uh, in Syria. And so they took, took time sharing and rejoicing in God's work and we see um, in a clunky sentence that they remained no little time with the disciples. They, 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 they were there a while, basically. They stayed there for a while. And Paul and Barnabas were faithful in living out Jesus Christ in the midst of opposition. And may that be true of us too, brothers and sisters, that we would be faithful. This, this chapter that uh, we just walked through tells us what to expect when we follow Christ. It tells us that division and opposition and attacks will happen. One um, of the scholars I was reading talked about how uh, this will happen uh, in our circle of friends. Um, it will happen uh, in our communities, in our families. It will happen within our churches. That when we're living for Christ, division and opposition uh, will happen, will take place. But we're not to be surprised. We're not to be surprised. It's normal. We're not to be surprised. We're not the only ones going through difficulty and struggle. Amen? That alone is encouraging too. That we're not the only ones. May we keep moving ahead. May we keep living for Jesus, even though we'll feel like giving up sometimes, won't we? We'll feel like giving up. It's natural. We're human. But this is why we need this reminder today. That we, we would stay encouraged to, to live for Christ. To stay faithful in the midst of opposition. Um, may we stay faithful in the midst of opposition. Um, one of the movies I enjoyed as a kid and I still think is probably the best animated Disney movie is The Lion King. I don't know about the new live action one. I haven't seen it. But... Uh, I liked The Lion King, and this, this makes me think of The Lion King in the, in the sense of, if we remember um, when Mufasa died and Scar, his evil brother, took over the kingdom, um, you think back to that, that miserable time, you know, when Zazu's 
sadly singing and the lionesses come back and demanded for them to find more food and the land is just stripped bare. And how miserable every lion in that incredible movie was (laughs) during that time. Um, When we don't have our rightful ruler, we're going to be out of place, aren't we? Uh, We're going to be feeling difficulty and struggle and and opposition. And brothers and sisters, we live in this time where our our rightful ruler uh, is not yet come back. And so while we are waiting in this already not yet time, where we we know that already uh, we've won, God will reign victoriously, but we're in this not yet time of knowing the the full peace of of Jesus reigning sovereignly and supremely. We're we're faced with the tension of, of living in this time where our rightful ruler is not yet in place. And so as we walk through this time, Maybe be encouraged to know the truth of Scripture that Jesus will return. He is our King. He will come back. And we belong to Him. Amen? Maybe be encouraged, brothers and sisters, to remain faithful in the midst of opposition. The opposition that we'll face uh, is our rightful King is not yet ruling. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, just come before you and ask that that you would use this text to encourage us, Lord God, um, that you would help us to um, have hearts and minds that are uh, rejoicing in the truth of who Jesus is, that he is our Lord and he's our Savior and he's our rightful King. And as we live in this time, Lord, um, um, help us to um, ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us and to guide us and to comfort us. Uh, We pray, too, that you would help us to faithfully live for you as we are facing difficulty and opposition and hostility and as we face attacks because we're different and we're living for Christ. Um, please encourage us, Lord God. We, we pray for our brothers and sisters across the globe as well who are, are suffering. Lord, we, we acknowledge that we suffer for you in our own way, but we know that our brothers and sisters across the globe suffer in tremendous ways. And so we lift them up to you asking that um, you would encourage them asking that you would give them your peace, asking that they would feel a great sense of your love for them, that you have uh, a a perfect and amazing future in store for them. So Lord, wrap them around your your arms and and we we pray that you would do the same for us, Lord. Um, Help us to not be distracted as we do face difficulties, but help us to remain faithful. We thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful in dying in our place dying the death that we, we deserve to die. Thank you for doing that on our behalf. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.